let go of me. When you feel alone, listen for my voice. You are not alone. Mom, Dad, it's me. I was wondering about maybe coming home. I'm catching a bus up your way, and it'll get there early tomorrow morning. If you're not there, that's fine. I mean, I'll just stay on the bus, I guess. Come by fire, come by rain. Come by boat or come by plane. You are. Never run too far, or shout too loud, or be gone so long that you can't find your way home. morning and welcome to Belong Church. And if there's not like moisture in your eyes after watching that, I, you know, I don't know. I'm up here like trying to like make sure it's all gone by the time we go live. But man, what an awesome representation of the prodigal son's story, which is what we're going to be looking at today. But before we start there, I just want to tell you that I mentioned last week that I, I, we normally get in the habit previously of Michael giving all the announcements and telling you how to connect connect with us and communicate. And, and I realize that we haven't done that in a while, so I'm just going to start off for the next several weeks and possibly let it be a staple here. But you can simply uh, text the word WELCOME to 469-289-1114, and that's our text communication. So if this is your first time with us, or maybe you haven't done that and you've been watching a little bit and you say, okay, I, I'm ready to do that, just simply text. That's going to ask you some questions and it'll get you set up, and it's a way for us to communicate with you. It's all secure. Not, it's not going out to everybody else. It's just communicating completely with us. Well, as we've finished 
um, the Fruits of the Spirit series last week, and it went for several weeks. And I kept alluding to the fact that it's two worlds. And, and this is probably one of the things I talk about the most in my personal life, and I'm talking one-on-one with people. And if you're one of those people, you've heard me talk about this, so get ready. You're going to hear it again. But there's two worlds that we live in. There's the one that comes natural to us. And then there's the one that's over here that God says, man, I've got a better way. And we see this clearly in John chapter 10, verse 10. And it's been at least one service since I had you look at that. So here we go. We're going to look at it again. But Jesus is talking here and he's describing these two different, completely polar opposite worlds. The thief, the enemy, the devil, however you want to say it, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy And that's the world that we naturally live in. That's the place where everything's just trying to pull us down, that there's just nothing but doom and gloom all around us. But I love this. And one translation says, but I, this one says, I have come. What? So that they may have life. Who's the they? That's me. I'm a they. You're a they. He says, I've come so you may have life. And I want them to have it. I love this new translation. I I told you about it last week. The NIRV. In the fullest possible way. I mean, this is a superlative life. Man, I can't make this any bigger. In the fullest possible way. But you see, we see that there's a difference. There's two worlds. There's the carnal world versus heaven. There's this world over here that's what is just natural to us that we're going to always be struggling with as long as we're here on this earth. But then there's heaven. There's this life that Jesus came to give so we can have the fullest possible life. In fact, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I've told you these things that you can have peace because of me. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But be encouraged. I've won the battle over the world. So he said, hey, you're going to have trouble while you're in this world. But don't get messed up over that. Because I won. He's like, man, I went through some struggles myself. And I won. We looked at two weeks ago in the Fruits of the Spirit series where they went through these terrible things and the Apostle Paul is describing how horrible it was for them and everything they went through. And he says, and yet the joy of the Lord was overflowing inside of them. See, because God sent Jesus and he overcame the world. Jesus, in teaching the disciples how to pray, and it's commonly called the the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually the disciples' prayer because he's giving a pattern for us. He directed that we're supposed to pray to our Heavenly Father. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, okay? Uh, Not my natural Father, okay? I'm I'm not asking my dad for something. I'm saying my father who's in heaven, I'm shifting my entire focus up to heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your name is special. Your name is holy. Your name is wonderful. In fact, it's part of the prayer guide that we just went through in 21 days of prayer. And it's one of those prayers. If you don't have a prayer guide, you can download it from our website or you can send us an email and we'll send you one. But it goes into how awesome his name is. But the next verse, verse 10, your kingdom come. 
See, there's a kingdom up in heaven, and there's the kingdom that's here. Jesus alluded to it in those two different things, but now in the prayer, he's like, hey, your kingdom, Jesus, Father. God, I'm praying your kingdom come. Your will be done, not my will. In fact, one of his last prayers that he prayed in the garden, he says, Father, not my will, but your will. See, in the beginning of his ministry, he's saying the same thing at the end. Your will be done. Look, on earth. Not, not, it's all great in heaven and earth is just like, oh, I've, got, I've turned my back. I don't know what's going on on earth. Forget about earth. No, let your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Can I say it like this? We need to have come to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. That's our goal. That's part of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be praying this prayer. That's the example Jesus gave. That's how we're supposed to pray. And if you're new to this, and maybe you're one of those people that's still just checking everything out and say, I don't really know what to pray. Pray that prayer. Simple. Actually, two weeks ago, someone was asking me at one of the places where I'm working, they're like, hey, so what's the Lord's Prayer? And, and might have had a little bit of alcohol. And, and you know, just I, I must have said the prayer 50 times. And, and you can see, trying to connect and to, to be able to remember each words with it. And I, I was not aware that I had it memorized as well as I do, but it was kind of funny. But that's what our goal is. And if that's the only thing you know to pray until you grow in it, just pray that prayer on earth as it is in heaven. See, the struggle will always be between these two worlds, carnal or heaven. So am I going to bring heaven into my carnal world and I'm going to step into that? Or am I going to just like let whatever happens, happens? See, what the enemy meant for good, living in a carnal world, God can turn. I mean, what the enemy meant for evil, living in a carnal world, God can turn it for good. He's like, hey, I can take this brokenness, these shattered dreams, this stuff that you don't know how you can possibly turn around. God says, hey, just put in my hands and I can redeem that. I can turn and I can bring you over into this world. And, and many of us find ourselves like the, the modern day prodigal that we saw in the beginning of this bumper video. That, man, I mean, life didn't turn out like we thought. We find ourselves and go, hey, this isn't my dream. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. God specializes in collecting all of that. You saw the, the lip was busted, and you saw she's kind of shattered, tattered all up. You saw the panic when the bus was driving off, and she's like, <gasps> and then she saw her father. See, when they put their arms around her, mm, all of that stuff can be turned around. All of that stuff that's broken and shattered dreams for today can be turned around and tomorrow can look completely different. This time next year, you can look back and go, I can't believe this was what was going on in my life last year. Look what God has done. You know, there's only one parable in the Bible that Jesus said the same story, reiterated it three different ways. Only one time. Now, he would tell good stories, and he would give this illustration for us in a parable. 
But even if you didn't understand it, that was it. He moved on. And sometimes the disciples would come to him and say, Jesus, we don't even understand what you're saying. Can you explain this to us? And he would dive deep to them and explain it better. But this particular time with the one we're looking at, he said the same story three different ways. The first one was about the lost sheep, and a good shepherd will leave the 99 to go and find the one. Or the lost coin, where a woman has lost one coin, she's got 12 others, but she's going to turn the house upside down until she finds that lost coin. Not satisfied with what she has left, but that one that's missing. And in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, we see the third rendition of this. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger one spoke to his father and said, Father, give me my share of the family property. So the father divided his property between his two sons. Now, of course, we know that inheritance and and the property being divided up doesn't happen as long as the father is still alive. It's always done after the passing of the father, and then the inheritance is done. But he wanted it early. Verse 12, so the younger, sorry, verse 13. Long after that, the younger son packed up all that he had. Then he left for a country far away. Man, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to set out, and I'm going to go where they don't even know my dad. They don't know me. And there he wasted his money. Now, this translation says on wild living, and others says he just, he just wasted it. And literally, the words in the original says literally just wasteful living. He, he just went out and he squandered all of his money. We don't know necessarily that he did something wrong because this is an analogy. This isn't a real story. This is a story that Jesus made up to describe stuff. So we're not going to get too literal with some of this stuff, okay? It's a story. Verse 14, Jesus says, but he spent everything he had. Have you ever been in a situation and you're not even around your family? Maybe you took a trip and now all of a sudden what you thought you had plenty, now you don't have any money left. And now you're in this foreign, this strange place and you don't have anything. It's like, oh no. And then it got worse. Then the whole country ran low on food. Man, it became really tough everywhere. So the son didn't have what he needed. Now, he lost his money. He spent it on all these other things. And one translation, many people believe, is actually bad investments, that he, he, he invested in something and it didn't turn out. So what he thought he knew best, he didn't. He, he, he ran the risk and he lost. So he went in verse 15, and he worked He went to work for someone who lived in that country. And that person sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. Now, Jesus is Jewish. And the people here telling these stories to are Jewish. So for them to be around pigs is making them unclean immediately. They're not allowed to eat it. They're not allowed to be around it. But now, for him to be in this compromising position, he's now compromised his faith by being forced by not having anything else, any other possibilities, exhausted everything else, and now he's there feeding the pigs. Verse 16, and the son wanted to fill his stomach with the food that the pigs were eating. And, and I don't know if you've ever been around a farm, and, and I haven't a whole lot, but my grandfather would raise some, and I've been around some other people that have raised some. And, and what you give the pigs is not very nice. 
It's nothing that anybody would want to eat. It's usually the soured food. It hasn't been refrigerated. It's just been setting out all day long, and then you just throw it down there, and it's always muddy, and it's all nasty, and, it's, and he wanted to fill his stomach with that. But no one even gave him anything. So here he is, dirty. His, his religious faith is compromised by having to be out there, and he's unclean, and all this thing. And then verse 17, then he began to think clearly again. He came, kind of came to himself and says, man, what have I done? Look at this. How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? But here I am dying from hunger. Have you ever been in that desperate place? Where you're like, man, I can't imagine that it turned out this bad. Verse 18. I will get up and go back to my father. Look at this. He's rehearsing all of this in his mind. I will say to him, he's getting it all worked out his speech. Father, I sinned against heaven and I sinned against you. What is the sin against heaven? He's with pigs. He's compromised his faith and he's let his dad down. I've sinned against you. Verse 19, and I'm no longer fit to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. It's like, hey, will you just give me a job? I know I missed it, and I missed it so bad. Can I just work for you? Can I, can I be at the lowest place in your kingdom? Can I be just, I, I'll get out and work. I don't have a problem with work. I, I know I made some mistakes. Verse 20, so he got up, and he went to his father. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him. And I just love this. And he was filled with tender love for his son, and he ran to him. I, and just have the image of, of the father standing on the porch and, and every day he's out there with his, his paper and his coffee and he's looking. He's like, it's the day, the day. Do I, do I get to see my son today? And then one day, that one day he saw him and he took off. I just see him dropping his cup and dropping the paper and just take it off. Right. He ran to him and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. How tender, how wonderful. And I love the bumper video reacting, reenacting in a, in, a, in a today's kind of economy, that scene. But now look, the son gathered himself, verse 21, and he said to him, okay, I'm going to say what I've rehearsed. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer fit to be called your son. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring me the best robe. Put it on him. And put a, fing a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Hey, let's take care of him and bring the fattest calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. This son of mine was dead. And now he's alive again. And now he is found. So they begin to celebrate. Now look at some interesting things in this. I don't know necessarily that the son had bad intentions. He should have waited until his father passed away and the inheritance was given to him, but asking for it to, to set out on his own and try and do it his own way maybe shows some immaturity, but it's not necessarily bad intentions. He just wanted to do it his own way. 
And as I've already said, many scholars think it was just some bad investments and then the whole economy of that, and all this is speculation off of a story that Jesus told. Okay, I get that. But isn't that story similar to many of us? We think that we know better. We have to learn our own lessons. We can't listen to somebody else and let somebody else help us along. Many of you are like me, permanently enrolled in the school of hard knocks. It's like, man, if it's not beat into me, if I don't just keep hitting my head up against the wall, I'm not going to learn that. I've been that way my whole life. Many of us are that way. But don't you think that the father in the, this parable of Jesus had dreamt of his son succeeding since he was born? Can't you just see that father uh, just holding that baby in his arms and thinking, man, I can't wait to see the great things that you're going to do. And, and he groomed him for life, and, and, and our children should stand on our shoulders. And as far as I go and as high as I go, man, my children should be here, and they're going higher. And, and our ceiling should be their floor, and they just keep going and should keep going on and on. So maybe, maybe the father was like, you want to do it? Man, this is your time. This is your opportunity. Hey, at least I get to see what you make of yourself. I don't think that the father necessarily thought he was going to fail. I think he gave him the opportunity. See, in John 14, verse 12, Jesus is speaking here. He says, what I'm about to tell you is true. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. In fact, they will do even greater things because I'm going to my Father. Poof. Think about everything that Jesus did. And he laid this foundation for us. And he goes, and hey, you're going to stand on my shoulders. And you're going to do even greater things. Look at this in verse 13. And I will do anything you ask in my name. Then my Father will receive glory. The Son will then bring glory to the Father because you're doing greater things. Because you're taking the example of Jesus and you're taking and making it even better. Isn't that unbelievable? But what about the Father liquidating everything before His time and giving Him His half before that time? Don't you think that he had hopes for his son that he'd make it? I believe he was standing on that porch looking for his son's return. I don't believe he was looking for him to be failure, for it to be a failure for him to come back. Dragon, I don't think he was looking for him to come back in the shape he came back. I think he was just looking for his son. I know every time I get a chance to see either of my sons and, and texted one of them last night after the Super Bowl and was just like, hey, you know, are you at the game? Did your team win? Man, I'm just excited to hear. And when he replied, I was so happy. When, when I get to go and be with my other son and, and get to see, I, I'm just happy to be there. I believe he was out looking on the, on the porch and I'm like, yeah, I, how long until you're going to fail? How long until you're going to realize that I know more than you? I don't believe that was it at all. But don't we have that image in our mind? 
God's just up there waiting for me to miss it, for me to mess up. Yeah, I messed up, God. He loves you. He loves me. I believe that that father believed for the best in his son. But he was still yearning for his son to return. But when he saw him from afar off, it said, we just read it, he ran. And when his son took that moment to deliver his, re his rehearsed speech that he got it all worked out, he didn't scold him and go, man, what did you do? You stink. Oh, get a, oh, go take a bath before you talk. To, oh, where, what happened? Do you notice he didn't even ask him what happened? Isn't that amazing? He simply received him. Remember we looked a few weeks ago that says the love of God covers over, and I say like a blanket, a multitude of sins. He simply received him as he was. Stinky from being with the pigs. And he said, now let's go get a shower. Let's put the robe on you. Let's go get, let's, let's, next thing's next. Let's go get you cleaned up. Let's have a party. But he loved him. He demonstrated. And this is the story that Jesus gave. He said it three different ways, remember? Three different ways, the same story. The love that God has. See, Jesus told stories to illustrate a different way of thinking. See, we have a different way over here. See, because that ain't how it would have turned out in our normal world. The, the father liquidates half of his, his, in, his, in, uh, his, his entire net worth, gives it to his son. His son messes it all up, and he comes back, and he's like, oh, he'd be like, man, what did you do? I trained you better than that, don't you know? I mean, if you wouldn't get that love, it's like, hey, let me just... But Jesus came to give us an example, a different way, a different world. What would have in a natural situation been bad? And I, and I said it already, man, you got things that are just not worked out in your life. And you're like, man, my life is shattered and crumbles. The father was able to turn it around for good by love. So how does that relate to you and me? There are plenty of chapters in my life, in our lives that we write, that weren't in God's original plans for our lives. Several years ago, I was a deputy in Florida, and I, and I had an opportunity one time to have Lenore along with me for a ride along. I wish I did that a whole lot more times than that. But I, she was riding in the car with me, and I had to arrest a certain young lady for crazy stuff. And we're at the jail, and, and we're in the jail doing the paperwork and everything, and there's another girl in a, in a solitary thing, and she was not having a good day, if you follow what I'm saying. And she was starting to freak out a little bit. She's pounding on the thing. And Lenore's like, honey, 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 you need to go let that girl out. And I said, I, first of all, I don't have the keys. I can't let that girl out. She's like, no, no, no. I feel claustrophobic. She's having this hard time. And, and right now, I know my wife is even thinking that same thing. She's starting to feel a little compressed and all this stuff. And, and she's like, no, 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 you got to go let her out. I feel for her. And I'm like, this is jail. This isn't a happy time for her. And she's in this bad place. And, and, and she's at this thing. And Fast forward to recently, if I know of someone else who made some bad choices and was taken to jail. And I had compassion for this other person. And, and reached out and still reaching out and trying to share the love of God with this person. 
can I tell you, they both deserved to be in jail. They both had done things. They both had made messes in their lives. But I have changed. Because I'm now looking at it from a view of God can take these messes, shattered pieces, and he can do something with them. See, because there are plenty of detours in our life because I think, I think in my mind that I got it all worked out. But God says, hey, but I'm the one who's watching out over your heart and I'm the one who's reading your mind. I know what's really going on. But the greatest news is our Heavenly Father, the one that Jesus said, direct your prayers to in Matthew 6, when you pray, he's able to turn them into good. How? By surrendering it all to him. See, the prodigal son returned in humility. He even had a rehearsed speech. He didn't know his future, but he knew his father. Think about that. He didn't know his future. He felt he had already lost his rights as a son, but he knew his father had compassion. He knew his father. Please bow your heads. This is such an emotional story. The bumper video started off emotional all by itself, and, and then this story that Jesus told. But what a picture into the heart of God. So where do you find yourself today, right now? Do you feel that little quickening in your, your heart, and you're like, oh, no, I don't know what's going on right now? Where would you say that you are right now with Father God? Would you say, maybe I've tried to do it on my own way and maybe I've left some shattered pieces? Or maybe you haven't even trusted Him yet. Today I want to invite you to pray this prayer. To begin or maybe return or maybe to run back to that Father. Can I tell you, He's waiting on the porch for you. If that's you today, simply repeat this prayer after me. Say, God in heaven, I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to know you. Right now, I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it and make me brand new. Take my shattered pieces. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for giving your life for mine. Today, I give you my life. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time. Maybe for the person who, who just heard that prayer and says, I know, know if I'm ready to pray that. And maybe right now they're saying, I'm going to rewind that and say that prayer. Maybe for someone who says, man, I used to walk with God, but I identify a lot with the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. And God, I'm going to trust you. and I'm going to surrender my life and take the brokenness that's in my life and I trust you to do something good with it. Father, I pray for all these situations and I thank you that you're an amazing, miracle-working God. And I thank you for the illustration that Jesus gave us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
If you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to take the next step, and that's simply to text the word NEXT to 469-289-1114. And I've already mentioned that number. It's our text communication. And this is a different one from the welcome. This is letting us know that you've prayed that prayer and you want to know what your next steps and we'll communicate with you and let you know what those steps would be if you want to take them. And as I always say, I encourage you to invite someone to take this journey with you. To maybe send them this URL or forward this on or share it with them or share it on your Facebook or whatever it would be, but we're better when we're going through a journey together. And lastly, for those of you who are interested in being a part of the financial success, the easiest way is to text to give, and you simply text the word GIVE to 469-410-7788. And it's a different number than our communications because it's the financial side. It's got to be a separate number. Again, text the word GIVE to 469-410-7788. It's going to ask you a few questions the first time. After that, it's got everything stored. Or you can simply go to givetobelong.com. Well, let's close in prayer. Father, I just thank you for the generosity of your people, for everyone who's given to this church this week. Lord, I speak a special blessing over those who paid their tithes and their offerings. Father, I thank you for everyone who's taken this journey of faith, Lord. Those who are maybe returning to you for the first time. Maybe they've come back a hundred times. Lord, maybe it's the very, very first time of ever making a decision for you. Lord, I pray for all of them. I pray you strengthen them. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing and building this life of fruit inside of our lives. We give all this to you and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.